I probably sound like I just woke up because I just woke up. Mm. Uh, so did I. We have some ice on the roads today, so my kids didn't have to go to school for the second day in a row. And so when we found out at 5.30 that they didn't have to go to school, I went back to sleep until very <laughs> recently. So anyway, that's why. I apologize for that. Is that your bed hair or is that your prepped hair? Yeah, this is my bed hair. It's very spiky, nice. huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just wake up looking that good every day. <laughs> David, you sound like you're on the wrong mic all of a sudden. What? I am on the right mic. Sounds Let me see. echoey. Well, while he's figuring that out. Jimmy, you sound like you're in California. <laughs> I am. I am in California. I got here last night. And I'm here for the bullet bourbon. A few weeks ago, I made these recycled wooden tables in a bar out of all the leftover materials that I take out of my house when I redo stuff. And this event is all about reusing, recycling, and upcycling. So they want me here. There's several other artists here that also have done things similar. And so they're going to interview us and have us hang out and do like a Q&A. So that takes place Thursday. But it's also Grammy week, so there's a lot of buzz going on in the city. This event takes place a couple of days before the Grammys, but it's uh, it's interesting. We'll see. And this, I thought this event was going to be a little bit, uh, just like a little intimate thing. We, I went to the venue last night while they were setting up, and there is copious amounts of room, copious bars set up. My my three things that I made are just minuscule compared to the size of this whole place, and how much is going on there. It's crazy. So I'm really looking forward to Thursday night is going to be the event. There's going to probably be hundreds of people there. It's pretty crazy. So it's fun. It's, this is the type of thing that I would do over the last 10 years with these guys. I'd be here all week setting up. But now since I'm the older statesman, I don't have to do as much of the field. I did all the stuff in New York and they shipped it here. And then I just come and kind of hang out. So it's, it's, it's been, so far it's been a lot of fun seeing these guys. We used to work together quite a bit. And Dave Welder still works for this team. He's not on this project this week, but Dave Welder still works over here with these guys. He's doing a different city this week. But they do these events. They set up events for liquor companies that market, basically market liquor. Hmm. But this this obviously is a bullet bourbon event. And it's fun. It's good to be out here. I haven't been out here since the last season of making it, which I looked at my phone because I couldn't remember when it was. It was November 2020. Wow. So I was right here in like the thick of the the COVID thing. It was a lifetime ago. Yeah, it really was. We were just talking before we started about how much time has passed. So sitting and reminiscing with the guys last night, I was scrolling through pictures. And I was I was amazed at how dark my beard was just a few years ago and how gray it is now. Yeah. I'm going to try that. Menin. Is that what it was called? Do you guys remember that stuff that you put in your beard? Menin? No, Menin. <laughs> it makes your beard darker. <laughs> But I found the picture of the three of us while I was scrolling, and that was 2016 when we were in Chicago. Wow. That's crazy. And We were just babies. That's right. And we all had, like, dark, dark hair. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> D- Dave, you, you look like you, you were like a, an Arab magician. Your beard was so black <laughs> in that picture. <laughs> it is. Uh, I, I also don't look. I, I, I look like I don't know. Like, like I'm a fan of you guys. Like, I don't belong in the photo. <laughs> well, I, th- I thought the same thing when I was looking at myself. I'm like, look at that big stupid grin because he was having so much fun. I can't get out with you guys. <laughs> not, not your grin, my grin. Not yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. That, I remember that. That was a that was a fun trip. We were there for that was that Google thing. Is that what that? Why we were there? 
yeah, Ord Camp, oh. I think. Yeah. What was it that? Ord, Ord Camp? Yeah, that was it. Yeah. yeah. When it's funny, because we're talking about how fast time is flying by, you would say Ord Camp, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, that was like a year ago. And that picture was from 2016. <laughs> yeah. And then there was one or two more after that. But I won't have a video this week, because I'm here, obviously. And uh, But things are moving along. I'm working on my boat. I made some good leaps on my boat, putting on the in whales and the out whales was a really big deal because it was going to be a little complicated and a lot of people keep asking me if I had to steam them and I didn't and when the video comes out you'll see me just manhandle them into place and so I'm really happy about that because that that hurdle behind me really sets the tone to just free flow and just do all the woodwork for the rest of the boat that was going to be one of the hard parts and then the next the next harder part is the deck which is that little triangle piece right up in the front because I have to make a nice glue up. And that and that usually is sort of the signature piece of the boat. That's the one thing that will express the personality of the builder. And you got to kind of try to come up with something sexy. So I have a, I'm going to make it up out of all the old wood. But I just have to come up with an interesting pattern. Which is basically going to be like a all coming out of that apex and widening. But I got to do the math on that. And then do that glue up. And I'm working on another boat. Which is funny. Because I keep telling everybody the boat is not going to float. But no one listens, and they just go, oh, that's a cool boat. Like, when do you plan? I'm like, yeah, we're going to put it in the water when, yeah, sure. It's a boat on a trailer that is fixed to a trailer. It's a roving bar for a company that kind of has this nautical theme. It's Blue Point Brewery in Long Island, and they're right by the water, so all the whole thing is all about being on the water and the beach and fishing. And so that boat, we got it. It was deteriorated. Me and Patrick Reynolds are fixing it up. It was quite deteriorated and from being out in the elements and never really being taken care of. So we're replacing a lot of the woodwork and some of the electrical stuff. It's got a couple of things inside of it, like a refrigerator and a tap and the bar rails and lights and stuff. So Patrick's working on that. And together we're doing the woodwork. So that's another fun project. So that's it. And then I have some good ideas for videos coming up, but I, I won't be able to do anything until I get back into the shop, which will be Saturday. Tomorrow. What do you do on the plane? Uh, we wa I watched the best. I could do this recommendation, but I watched the best movie last night. I met up with my friend Bobby, and he's been in some of my stories. Bobby is my buddy that works at Bullet. We met up in Detroit and then flew together. And we sat in the plane, and he reached over to my screen, scrolled through all the movies, and hit tap and goes, watch this. And it was L Let, Let There Be Drums. Have you guys seen this movie? Mm -mm. I don't think so. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's made by, and I'm never going to say his name. This, there's two drummers in The Grateful Dead. One is Mickey Hart, and the other one is something with a long last name. That guy's son made the movie. And he talked about his time as a little kid growing up with the Grateful Dead until in adulthood. And he interviewed all drummers. like right, Even Taylor Hawkins is in it. It was made just before he died. It's really, really good. So many good drummers from Ringo Starr to everybody in between. So many people you wouldn't expect to hear. It's really good. And it kind of centers on the Grateful Dead duo. But in general, it's just about drumming. And it's so good. It's called Let There Be Drums. So... That's what I did on the plane. I watched that. And I actually, it was so good. I scrolled back and watched different parts of it twice. It was so good. Hmm. And, uh, and I also watched Emily the Criminal with Aubrey Plaza, which was very, very good. So that's what I did on the plane. Right. Yeah. And I came up with ideas. <laughs> of course <laughs> you all did. That. <laughs> Is it weird for you? I know, Jimmy, you don't sit down to watch movies very often. Because you can't sit still for very long. So was no. it weird to sit on a plane and watch a movie? 
I, I got really into the Aubrey Plaza movie, and I was like about halfway through it, and I just like I immediately wanted to just start scrolling through the menu to see what other movies were there. <laughs> like, wait, I'm so <laughs> invested. Let me keep watching. Let me keep watching. And it, it was really good. I actually really liked it. But no, it's yeah, it's. Uh, I'm trying to be more relaxed lately and trying to see things through to the end. That's good. Yeah. So those two movies were good. Those are my only two choices, and I stuck with them. That's good. And then I leaned on, and then I had some more time to kill, so I watched Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is always good. The TV show. Oh, yeah. Cool. David, what have you been up to? So I am working on this rebound game. Um, it's like a tabletop shuffleboard, and it's been fun. I've got the the. It's like shuffleboard, but it's got a end where it banks off of a forty five degree. And it comes back down, and there's a like a scoring lane type thing. Is there resin on that, or is that plexiglass? It's so that's shiny. resin. Oh wow, so, that's great. So the lane markings on there were cut with a vinyl cutter, and then we poured resin over top of that. And then I've got laser engraved, like a scorekeeping thing, which is going to be there's going to be like this magnet that sticks on there that's going to help you keep score. And then there's some CNC stuff, and then. The, the pucks is just this little ball bearing encased in, in plastic. And this was 3D printed, and then we used a, a mold to, to, to pour those. And so it's got, it's got a bit of everything. A bit of everything. Woodwork, a lot, mostly woodworking, but it's got CNC and laser and 3D printing and vinyl cutting. Anything that uh, it can be connected to a computer has been used on that project. Awesome. And any any hiccups along the way, or is it going pretty well? Um, for the most part, it's gone really, really well. Um, the the first the well the first mold that I poured didn't didn't come out very well, so I had to do a second one. And I'm not sure why the first one didn't come out well. It could have been the 3D pieces weren't fully UV cured, but it was still mushy even though it was way past its time, but it was, it's been a good learning project. I think pouring, using the, the mold to pour the, the pucks was probably overkill. I think the 3D printed pieces would have been fine, but it was a good exercise to learn how to do that for future projects. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And the, the fun thing about this is I'm trying to, I bought this at an antique mall, the original game, and it has all kinds of cool, weird angles on there. Mm. Yeah. And I've been trying to stay faithful to the original. So angles that I normally wouldn't do, I'm, I'm trying to do in this in this wood just to give it that little extra bit of pizzazz. And it's just been it's just been really fun. Hmm. What's the name of the game? Rebound. If you do a search, you'll you'll come up with some great '70s ads. Cool. I'll, let me grab the box here. Yeah, I remember seeing the the box when you showed it in the one video, like that you were going to be working on it. Yeah, yeah that's the bo- awesome. The box is it just <laughs> looks classic, and it, it really does. It's got a father and a boy on there, and we keep making the joke here off camera that it kind of looks like the the father is doing some very bad things to the to the boy underneath the table. They're sitting so close; it's they're very very close to each other. Yeah, they're very that, close. That shirt that the boy has on with the it's like a like a mini turtleneck with the stripey thing down the front, man, those yeah. should really come back. I think oh, you man. should lead the way in bringing those back. I just want to uh, point that out. So, uh, okay, I'm on it. 
<laughs> I'm going to order some turtlenecks right now with some stripy things on it. That's right. Good luck finding those. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I haven't been in my attic where I grew up in 10 years or more, or maybe more. But my attic where I grew up is full of stuff like that. Because that's the type, like if you look at my family pictures from the 70s on Christmas, there's like all those games that were on TV in the background. Looks just like well, David, you yeah. should go to his attic and then get a whole <laughs> yeah. bunch of stuff to make videos about. That would be that would be a fun video right there. <laughs> it would. All right. I have so many cool toys, toys up there. One of these days, I'm I got to sure break do. open that time capsule. You have so many cool toys in your current shop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's like so, so many classic stuff. <laughs> so many cool classic toys in my in my mom's house. One of these days, that's cool. Yeah. Well, uh, let's see. For me, um, we're working on a secret thing. I don't know if I kind of mentioned it last time or not, but there's a there's a new video game coming out soon, and we got commissioned to make some things from the game, and um, it's pretty cool. So you did mention something yeah. about translating things that weren't really in yeah. the real world. Were you able to figure yeah. that stuff out? Uh, I think so. Yeah, we've been <clears throat> excuse me. We've been brainstorming a whole lot, and uh, we've had to remodel a bunch of stuff. Josh has been taking over the modeling on this one and figuring out a lot of the stuff, the digital side of things, and then I'm doing the physical side of things. And it's uh, I don't know. We're in the middle of it right now, so I don't know if it's going to work or not. <laughs> but we've got a lot of things happening. Uh, yesterday was interesting because I did. Um, electronics and 3D printing and molding and casting and painting and weathering. I did a lot of different things yesterday. And hmm. that's only the very beginning of this, this thing. We still have other skills that have to be put into it as well. But anyway, we're working on that. And we've only got about maybe a week from today to finish it because then the video has to be off for approval very shortly after that. So we're going to have to kind of make the thing and edit the video at the same time you know just day to day to keep it moving forward because we have a pretty tight deadline so that's what we're in the middle of uh the video is coming out this week is the screen printing video i was talking about i think i talked about that a couple yeah. weeks ago last week and um that turned out really cool so we we took it's just a how to screen print video um it was cool to see your video david on that topic as number one when you search screen printing yeah, it's on crazy YouTube, it's number one. It's still uh, years later. Um, every week when I look at my the top performing videos for the month, that one is in there for some reason. I don't. It does awesome. so well. Yeah. Um. So, I will say that we're coming for that spot, though. It's all. It's all <laughs> yours. It's it's time for somebody else to come along. It was really and, and interesting. Because like number three or number four is my old video from way back, and. Mm-hmm. It was interesting to look at the top few videos and compare the thumbnails and compare the titling and to like why are these videos doing well but why are why are the two of us in the top like four on a subject like this and so you know we two people who are not experts at it exactly you guys are number one and two I just googled screen <laughs> you guys are one and two so it was it was kind of neat to. Um, look at those thumbnails and try to figure out like how we can you know replicate the good parts and and ignore the what we did before and that kind of a thing. So anyway, um we're also going the angle of 
you could, like, I added up the cost of all the stuff that I bought. I bought new stuff for all of this printing. I didn't mm. use any of the stuff I had before. And it cost about $300. And so we're saying, you know, here's how to screen print, and you can start a business with $300. Because with this stuff, you could then immediately turn around and start selling all of these things and mm-hmm. reinvest that money and whatever. So it's a it's a fairly inexpensive way, I mean, you know, relative to machines and stuff, it's cheaper than a table saw to buy stuff to get started with screen printing if you're looking for a business. And Anyway, so we're kind of building the video around that, and I think it's turned out really well. And It was fun to do. I missed printing. It's been a very long time since I've What's printed. the product that you're printing? Uh, we did a three-color poster. So it was the first time oh, I had ever right. done yes. a poster, but also I I don't know that I had ever done a multicolor print. I don't think I had. Um, so, you know, I didn't get registration perfect, but it also adds to the aesthetic of, like, That's what the, the poster looks like. It. Yeah, it looks great. So, yeah. Um, so that's coming out this week, and then we already have the next one that's going to be after the secret one shot and done and approved, but it just had to be in timeline-wise. It had to be into February. So that's kind of interesting. And I'm designing some shop furniture stuff that I need to do, and we are talking about lots of new digital products. Um, so we get, we're get we in the middle of a lot of things right now. Pretty interesting. Oh, this is awesome. So, okay, so we all had our guitars auctioned off, right? Mm-hmm. Talked about that. Have you guys yep. heard from the people, gotten your information, your shipping information? I've got the information. I did. I'm going to ship it out to either today or tomorrow. I did, I did. So I was talking on here, I've talked several times on here, about how I like the guitar that I made, and I wanted to keep it, and I even tried to win it for myself and everything. And then last week I told you that it got auctioned off, and I was disappointed about that. Well, we got an email. From the guy that won the guitar, his name's John, and I'm going to write him an email in response today. But basically, he wrote an email saying, I wanted to win the guitar so I could give it to Bob so he could keep oh, it. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. <laughs> oh, wow. oh, that's so sweet. And so he said, you know, he was going to ship it back to me if it was coming from somewhere else. But he was like, if you haven't shipped it, just don't ship it. Just keep oh, it. Oh, man. And yeah. So, John... Thank you. That just made much. my day. Yeah, that's, that's so amazing. cool. I, it 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 made me feel uh, uh, pretty amazing. <laughs> I didn't expect that. Josh just read me the email because it came to to the contact email, and I was like, "What?" And it kind of floored me for a few minutes. I had to just kind of ignore what else I was working on, and uh, it was pretty cool. So I'm excited about that. Now the bad thing about that, not the bad thing, but the funny thing about that, is that as soon as the live stream was over. Um, where they gave it away, I immediately took the guitar apart to refinish it because I didn't like the way that the finish worked. And there were some like nicks on the back that just were peeled up and stuff. And so I was like, if I'm sending this to somebody else, I'm going to refinish it and it's going to look really nice. And so I (laughs) stripped the entire thing apart, sanded off a lot of the finish, the clear, and started working on that process. And now it's recoded and it's ready for clear coat again. But I could have just been okay with the defects if i knew that i was gonna keep it but <laughs> anyway so john take heart in that that i was gonna refinish it for you so you had a really nice guitar but publicly i want to say thank you um, i'm very grateful for that it's funny how much care we put into things how much more care we put into things that goes to other people because you, you feel like you're going to be yeah. judged 
even though they're probably not going to be nitpicking like you would. But yeah. when I make something for somebody else, it, I mean, it has the 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 sanding and the finish just has to be dead so on. So, Bob, be honest. Are you going to just throw it into a cigar box now that it's in pieces and <laughs> stick it under the desk? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right there. I'm just going to finish finishing it. And then it'll go on the rack with my other guitars that I wear. Or it'll play. just stay unfinished forever. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. It looked worn. Look cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I, the props that I usually make, you know, they only have to look, like you're saying, David, they only have to look good enough, right? And I'm not, I don't even take them, like, to Comic-Con or anything. So it's not like I'm showing them off. They just have to be enough for me and then work in the video. And this thing that we're making for the video game, we don't know where it's going. We know it's going somewhere. We have to send it to another creator that they're going to do something with it. And we don't have a brief on, like, what it's going to be used for or who's going to be handling it or anything. So we're having to kind of, like, take the whole finishing protection you know, it can't rattle around. It has to work if somebody's like not being careful with it and you know, all this different stuff. And it's kind of an interesting thing not knowing what the end point for this thing you're making is. So you just kind of have to aim high and try to make it as finished and as clean as possible. And it could go to somebody who has no appreciation for that or doesn't care. It could go to somebody who you know, maybe they put their life into this game and it's going to be really meaningful. I have no idea. So it's kind of a weird thing. Um, and we're making two of these things. I forgot to mention that. They One's going to be for the video and they wanted to have another one, which I guess is going to go to somebody else. And so I don't know where either one of these things are going to go. Hmm. But Yeah. So we're aiming high on the quality, on all of the finish and everything on this. But there's a lot of moving, not physically moving parts. There are some physically moving parts, but there are a lot of different disciplines in this thing. And so it's, you know, it's not just we got to sand this really well or we got to finish this really well. So we have to do all of that. And the electronics have to be stable and, 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 you know, one Hmm. of those situations. Yeah, that's something I have to keep in mind while I'm working on the boat is that every time you do something, you just got to do it to the best that you possibly can. Instead of getting the anxiety of like, is it perfect? Is it perfect? Is it perfect? Because I never apprenticed with a boat builder, so I'm sort of out on a limb with nobody around to guide me. And I just look at pictures, and I look at pictures of past builds, and I say, well, this looks at least as good as that. And aesthetically, i got to isolate and compartmentalize and say, okay, if I didn't know anything else, would I think this is good? And I think, yeah, that looks pretty good. So, okay, it's time to move on to the next part. So if you take that at each stage and do the best you can with each discipline, it's the best you could do. That's the kind of... It's like a tipping point that I've, I've had a hard time with with the Carmen Ghia, especially with the metalwork. I mean, that's really all I've done so far is the metalwork, but I know that there's going to be a bunch of these other things. <clears throat> you know, I, when I think about it away from the, the shop, I think, well, yeah, like I'm doing the work to this car to rebuild this car so that it is like mint when it's done, so that it is a perfect brand new car when it's done. But that's not realistic if i think about that like i don't have the skill to get to that and if that is the only goal that's going to make me feel successful or feel like i did a good job then i'm setting myself up for failure mm-hmm. now i can get close to that i think with enough time and enough effort but i have to kind of keep myself in check a little bit you know i'm like 
inside the the door well where the door opens and closes that little gap in there that you cannot physically see when the door is on the car and i'm worried about what the inside of a grind is going to look like on this little lip i'm like well why why it has mm-hmm. to not rust and be covered in paint like that right. that's it for this particular spot and so i've <clears throat> gone back and forth several times on that project with putting in an unnecessary amount of effort into certain places and then realizing that this is not important. I want this car to drive. I want it to be something that one of my kids can have and drive and not be rusted out and not have to completely refinish, you know, when they're my age. But that's it. Like, it's not a show car. I'm not going to sell the car. It just has to be good. And Mm -hmm. the, the amount of detail and effort would be better spent on the outer body panels to get the shape right where the paint's going to look nice rather than worrying about you know how a grind looks on the inside of a little flap that you can't see once the car is put back together stuff like that so that is a thing i it's a it's a new thing i think when with the car building it's just not something i've had to deal with before so trying to go back and forth on that have you really thought about what the goals are, or you just kind of work on it and then kind of figure out the goals as you go? Yeah. Like I'm when kinda, you got it, where you're like, I'm going to get it near perfect. I never really made that plan, but then when I think about sections of it being finished or a task being finished, I'm never close enough to that, what I think would be finished. And I think that finish is me thinking it needs to be near perfect yeah. without explicitly saying that to myself. Yeah. <clears throat> and so I think that's where I've had to kind of confront, you know, well, maybe this spot right here doesn't have to be perfect. It has to be solid. It has to be safe. It has to be that kind of thing. But yeah, I never really made a plan on the car. Um, it probably would have been a good idea to at least have some sort of a, not a schedule, but like a goal for, you know, if it's going to take me three years to do this car or whatever, at the end of the first year, what should I, what should I have done so that I could kind of work backwards and break it up? Because otherwise, when I look at the whole thing, I get totally overwhelmed. It's so much work and there's so much unknown. And, you know, I can focus in on this little piece that I'm replacing. But then when I step back and I'm like, well, okay, eventually I'll get all the body work done you know, someday. (laughs) And then I'll have to put the body back on the chassis and then I have to put in the wiring harness. Now, do I put that in before I put the body on the chassis or do I do it after? Oh, I also have to put in the sealant all the way around between those two pieces that do the sealant before the electrical or, you know, and it's (laughs) that kind of a, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And then it just stacks up with more and more pieces that I don't know the order at which they happen. Then you don't do anything. Yeah, and then it's just like, well, I guess I could just not work on it for a while and go do something else. My experience, uh, years years and years ago, this is in 1990, it was right when I graduated art school, I found the 1958 Cadillac that I fell in love with, and I bought it, and I dragged it back to my mother's house, and I started taking it apart, and I realized how much work it really was. The amount of the amount of trim and and stainless and bolts and nuts and rust and holes and previous bad repair jobs that were on that car were endless. But I, I said, this is going to be my proving ground. This is it. So I'm not making a show car. Mm. I'm just trying to take it apart, fix whatever the holes are rotting and showing, and 
fix it, put it back together. And I did that, and it looked good, came out good. It was no, by no means a show car, and there was definitely some spots where there was too much Bondo on it from me. But I carved out the old Bondo and tried to make it as thin as possible. But at the end of the day, I just I, I kind of came up with a mental plan of like this is just going to be my learning process this is going to be my going to college on this car and mm. it came out great but by alleviating the pressure of me not having to make it a show car and being like okay maybe there's going to be you know a quarter inch thick of bondo here who cares I, I still learned so many other things on this car and by the time i was done with it it ended up looking really good and i, I kind of came up with this plan because I couldn't paint the whole car at one thing, one room, because I never had a spray booth. I said, if I could just focus on one panel at a time, the door. So on that Saturday afternoon, I'm going to paint just the door. So I masked everything off, and I painted all the sheet metal for the door. And I was like, that looks good. So then I moved up to the and I waited two days so I could put tape on it in three days, and then I painted the fender. And by the end of a month, I had the whole car painted, and it looked perfect. Because I painted one little section at a time instead of being thinking, I... I I don't have the skill set to paint in the entire side of a car, and I also don't have a dust-free environment. I figured I can control small spots at a time. So all these little things I learned on that car took me probably eight, nine months to get it from start to finish. You know, at moments in time where I was like, should I just have this whole thing dragged away by the junkyard? Because it is in pieces <laughs> everywhere. I have boxes yep. of sheet metal and screws and <clears throat> trim and mechanical devices that hold your taillights in place and ultimately it was it was an extremely valuable learning experience because even now anytime i do body work i just have like flashbacks of all the little doodads i did on that car and so this is your going to college so don't don't be so hard on yourself oh yeah, yeah. and you know, the other thing if you if you do put it together wrong if you put the ceiling here versus that the car is going to be babied now it's not going to be abused like it was and if you do one of those steps out of order at the end of the day you're going to have a rolling driving car yeah yeah, there isn't going to be any Carmen Gia police that come in and give you a big fat F. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. But you're going to go just, from having always... no cars to three cars pretty soon. <laughs> you, you, yeah, you could just cut that part of the video out. <laughs> yeah, else, you show it to a friend like, oh, you shouldn't do that. You, know, you just edit it out and put a cross crossfade. That's how you solve all those problems. Yeah. <laughs> crossfade yeah. your problems. <laughs> yeah, just crossfade it, move forward in time. Yeah, it was too boring to show how I put the frame back on, so I cut that part. Out. I just skipped it. <laughs> Look, it's done. <laughs> ah, yeah. the magic of video. Yeah, for real. Um, so we did kind of have a topic. Somebody gave you a topic, Jimmy? Uh, yeah, a few weeks ago, Jim Wilmont from Australia came to visit me, and Jim's a big fan of all of ours, and he's very nice. And his whole family came and I showed him around the workshop, and he said to me, because if, you, if you're interested in a topic, he says, I have a topic, and the topic is discipline versus motivation. And I wasn't quite sure what that meant, but I figured I'd throw it out to the two of you guys and see. Discipline versus motivation. I, and I suppose what it means to me is discipline as far as, for instance, on the car. You're kind of losing your motivation, but you know you need the discipline. So what's going to the discipline is making sure you get a video, getting it done, getting it done, getting it done, but you don't have the motivation. And I think in your case, to use the car as a good example, the motivation is being hampered by fear. And yeah. you, know, you, you just said it. And you, know, you got you to gotta get past that fear, just chew past it, and then you get your discipline and your motivation. And the discipline comes into you, you haven't made a schedule. 
it would be yeah. important. And it, same the discipline with me on the boat. I'm motivated. You get motivation when you get through certain hurdles. You, like discipline is like okay, I got it. I have to do. This. I have to get on the bike. Now I'm on the bike every night, right? Not while I'm in LA, but I did the bike. I got 50 rides in, by the way. So that's discipline and motivation because I'm showing some signs of feeling better, looking better, losing some weight. So I wouldn't. I didn't really think about this before I said it two seconds ago. But the idea of discipline will foster motivation. So that that you know, that's a little discovery I just came up with in real time. But the idea of working on the boat and getting to a point where it's like, oh, I know I have to at least do a little bit on it every day to keep it moving forward. And then I get the 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 whales done, the in whales and the out whales, and I'm like, whoa, this looks really sexy. I can't wait to add the next part that's gonna make it look that much more sexy. So therein comes the motivation. So yeah, that's just made that discovery in real time. Hmm. You guys just saw yep. that happen. Discovery of motivation, motivation, discovering motivation through discipline. That's good. But I think the discipline I, is really important. That's that, that that's yeah. what fosters everything else. Go ahead, Dave. I the for me the discipline has to always be there, but the motivation comes in and, and goes with within a project or within a year or within the whole scope of the business but the discipline has to be there because it, uh, that is it's how i make my living it's it's how i get by day to day but definitely the motivation uh it comes and goes like it's it's just if you were if i was always motivated all the time i think it would lose its its umph and uh it's just I'm, i w- my I get down on myself when I'm not motivated, especially within a project, and I and I lose that I lose that interest. But it's the discipline that gets that gets me through it. It's having my own personal deadlines or deadlines for somebody else. Without discipline, I don't think I would be where I'm at. It's the you know I could not set my alarm in the morning and just get up whenever I want to and work. But the discipline tells me like I do my best work early in the morning. That's when that's when it has to happen. I yeah, think discipline I can, is something that you can put down on a piece of paper, and it's the schedule, it's the it's the right. it's the to do list. And the motivation for me is not something that's definable. Hmm. I think a lot of times, not maybe not every time, but a lot of times, motivation is caused by, or it's based on something external to us. You know, we're motivated to um, work out because we want to look a certain way or feel a certain way. Um, we, you know, we're motivated to make a thing that's really interesting to us because we got inspired by something else outside of us. The discipline, I think, has to come from inside where you are deciding to be something rather than, or deciding to do something rather than uh, following the influence of something outside of you or something like that. And, you know, maybe that's not always the case, but it it feels like a pretty good way to... I don't want to say set the blame, but set the, the, uh, I can't think of another way to say it, to set the blame about accomplishment on yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. if take responsibility for take responsibility, that's a better way to say it. Um, so that you, you know, that discipline is not necessarily the thing that you want to, but you are, that you want all the time, but you're setting yourself up to follow through on something, whether it feels good or not, whether it feels 
connected to some external um, interest or, you know, somebody trying to make you feel a certain way or, you know, making money or any of those things that are kind of coming in to your life from the outside. Discipline is the thing that you get to decide on. And yeah, I I think that's something that I kind of go back and forth between pretty well. Um, I think I'm, hmm. I started to say that I think I was better at one than the other, but I think that's probably not the case. I think like a lot of things, I am okay at shifting from one thing to another when I need to. Because I could find myself a lot of times not being motivated. Um, But I think one of my skills is being able to shift into discipline mode and just pushing through and doing something because it has to be done because of all the other things that are kind of hanging on it, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know that. Yeah. I think, I think being able to shift back and forth is different than being better at one than the other. And that just Mm -hmm. kind of dawned on me. Fun question because I've never thought about the difference between the two. I don't even think about this stuff. I just, I just do it. Yeah. When Jim mentioned it to me, I was like, "Hmm, I'm not sure what that means, but I guess we'll figure something out. But I'm realizing while we're talking that discipline is obviously uh, the, the importance of just keeping everything moving forward. You know, I'm on the farm. I got a lot to do on the farm and now I'm doing it alone. So I have to make sure the chickens get water every day and I got to make sure that there's chicken feed out there every day. And I got to make sure the cats all have food every day. And, uh, the, the yard's getting taken care of. It's not turned into a junkyard. The house is also kept clean and dusted, dust-free. So that's all discipline and just doing what I have to do out throughout the day. But then in these little bits and pieces of you get the motivation of like, oh, you know what would be cool if I improve the chicken coop this way? That's what you get motivation by making sure that you keep doing these things. And, of course, I mentioned this example of having these winds along the way of the boat. And there's been so many times in my little Peloton journey where I'm like, I do not want to get on the bike, but I'm trying to put a, I'm trying to put an exercise, I'm trying to put a, a workout in every day, right? And I said, okay, I'm, a, I'm trying to do two a day. I'm, I'm going to just do one. Let me just do at least one. And I get on the bike. Discipline puts me on the bike because I'm disciplined. And I'm on the bike. And I start getting the motivation to go, okay, that's it. As soon as this, this trip's over, I'm going to do another trip, exercise, another uh routine so i've been doing just about two two every day and i don't have the motivation but i have the discipline until i'm in it when i'm in it and then i get the motivation to be like okay all right all right right. my blood's flowing i'm not as lazy as i was 25 minutes ago and i'm also not i'm getting all the excuses are going away but that, that that's the one tangible example i could keep coming back to but like I said, with the boats, even even with the 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 boat that's fixed to the trailer, called the bar boat, the bar boat was a, such a mess when it showed up. I looked at it and I was like, "Oh God, what what did I get myself into with this?" Pat jokes. He goes, "I'm sorry, I got you into this because it really needs a lot of work." But the other day, we pulled it inside, we started ripping all the railings off, and we got it back. Like once we got rid of all the mess, so that's discipline. Us just knowing what we have to do, we have to finish this thing and deliver it by by the deadline. But let's pull all the, the mess off, all the rotted wood, all the wood that just looks like it's going to blow off. We got all it off and we were down to the bare bones. And we're like, me and Pat looked at each other like, okay, that's not so bad. And now, and like there and kicked in the motivation to keep going forward. The discipline was getting over the hump, but the motivation comes in when you start to see 
the creativity and the opportunity to improve and fix. And just because all of us in the maker community want to see things improve and get better, that motivation always comes in when you see an opportunity to problem solve something. So the next time you work on a project without obligations, that's just for you. Where does the motivation come from? The motivation comes from the learning, the problem solving, the uh, the experimentation, the, the stacking of the skills, all those things. And, and because, for instance, talk about it every every week. People are sick of hearing me talk about pottery, but that I have no. There's no discipline for me to do that other than for me to just stack some new skills and try and figure out a new thing that I could then pull whatever brand new skill sets I learned on that back into my other skill sets. And then the same question for Bob, where does the motivation come from on pop on projects without obligations? I think um, for me, I think they're usually derivative of something else that I really like. It's, you know, some star Wars thing or some, (laughs) uh, I made this, this foam sword a while back. And I was motivated to to make the sword. It was from Adventure Time, and I was motivated to make it because we were watching Adventure Time as a family. It was a, it's a really silly, really weird show, and we were watching it with the kids. Everybody has fun, and it's this cool looking little thing that I thought, oh, this will be a fun thing to make. I also learned some skills along the way, so I was motivated to do it. But then it was one of those things that had no past me. It had no attachment to anybody. It's from a TV show that hasn't been on for five years. It's, you know, it's not like a current thing. And so I was motivated to do it, um, and it served a purpose and everything. But it was not, that was the end of it. It just, it didn't have a life. It didn't have a, a use case, and nobody watched it. And so that is a weird thing that's kind of informed some of the things that have motivated me since then in regard to, like, making props and things. I have to... And I know there are people out there right now who are going, no, just make it all. Make videos about everything. I get that sentiment, but that's not realistic. So I've had to track my motivation to a point on certain projects and be like, okay, now does this need to be a thing that goes out into the world or is this just something that I should figure out how to do on my own? And it's back to that whole like content versus not content thing. But to answer your original question, I think if, if a project is is if I'm motivated to do it, it's because there's something about it that I want to learn. There's something about it that I want to see exist. That's never existed before, or, you know, is connected to me somehow to something I like. Um, but I actually had a couple more things to say, but I want to put that question to you. I love the end part of the project. I love the, the, the sharing it. Uh, sharing it with myself, just like you, you, you ever build a piece of furniture and for a, a couple of days, every time you walk into a room, you just look at it because you made <laughs> that. I do yeah. that all the time because it's so exciting to have this idea that started in my head and then onto a piece of paper and then something that sits in my living room, which will be there for many years. That to me, that's magical. And I just love yeah. that. Yeah. And I love sharing that with my wife. I love also, I, I love sharing it online. I love getting the feedback online. That's that's a huge motivation for me is just that idea that you completed. And it's mm. so satisfying. Yeah, that's I'm getting that with the boat now. Every time I walk in the shop and I get to see it at different angles, I just stop and stare at it. I'm like, wow, yeah. I remember seeing that boat in, in 
September of 2019 on the lake when I was in Canada. And I asked Joan, I was like, what kind of boat is that? She says, she told me the style it was and, and the person who made it and the guy who designed it. And she's like, oh, I can get you the plans if you want. And I was like, yeah. And here it is this many years later. And I'm, I'm way past the middle on the process. And I just, it's just sexy. And you look at it, you're like, wow, that wouldn't exist if I wasn't motivated to do that. Mm. Definitely yeah. helps. So you were talking earlier, Jimmy, and talking about how, you know, on the bike, the discipline got you to start doing it, and then that creates a motivation to do more of it. Yeah. And I can see that for sure in me. I can also see the other side of it, um, where the motivation, I'm motivated to do something, but then that motivation fades. But I've I've found that now I have to switch over to discipline mode to complete the thing. Yeah, I think that happens with everybody's exercise routine as well, too. Cause yeah, obviously, for sure. You know, it's funny. I think I told you guys, all these friends are like, hey, follow me on Peloton, follow me on Peloton. And I follow them, and they're like, they haven't ridden the bike since April. Like, <laughs> what is the point of me following you Like, if you don't use the yeah. thing? <laughs> it's crazy. So I, I have this another example of this whole thing that we're talking about. Um, I've told you all that I've been, I practice piano on a regular basis and it's just for me. It's not for, you know, content or anything like that. And so over Christmas, uh, before Christmas, you know, I was like, my kids have Christmas books with Christmas songs. And so I was trying to learn some songs to play just around during the holidays while we were sitting at home. And the, um, Christmas time is here. The, the one from the peanuts Christmas, that one. I was like, oh, I love that song. I should learn how to play that. And I was motivated because I like the song. It's it's pretty. It just feels like a Christmas thing. So I found the book, sat down, and learned it in a couple of days, right? That's and it great. was, it's easy. It's it's not a hard piece of music, but I was able to, because I was motivated to be able to play it, I sat down and learned how to do it. Now, there's also this song called Claire de Lune, which is a very famous piece by Debussy. You've heard it a million times, whether you realize it or not, and it's it's beautiful and complicated. And what is it called? I want to write it down. Claire de Lune. Um, you'll know it as soon as you hear it. But so this is another one that I heard more recently. And no, actually, no, it was before Christmas. <laughs> now I think about it. And I thought, oh yeah, that's another piece that I, I never learned. I should I should learn that one. So I got the music for it, and it has five flats, and then it switches over to four sharps. And it is in the time signature of 9-8. So if you're a musician, you know that all of those things together just scream, this is going to be very difficult. And so I started playing this piece. And the first page of it, I'm like muddling through. I'm like, yeah, okay, I can hear it. It's in in there. And then you get to the second page, and then it just kind of goes off the rails. And I've been playing piano for a really long time. But there's something about this piece of music that my brain just can't get i can't get the timing i can't get where the finger placement is i just can't do it but i still am motivated to be able to hear that song played by me Mm -hmm. but when it comes down to actually putting in the work to do that i get so frustrated more than any other piece of music i've ever played and so i'm in that that point right now where i have the motivation is gone like, I don't even, whatever, I can download an MP3 of the song and listen to it. <laughs> but the discipline is kicked in to where I have to work on this thing a little bit every day because if I just give up, I'm never going to be able to do it. I don't even want to play the song anymore. It's so frustrating. But I know that I can't just, you know, I can't just set it aside and be like, well, that one didn't work. 
I have to keep trying on this thing. When I was I doing think... a lot of tablature like that, <clears throat> when I was motivated and disciplined to try and like transcribe music from, tab, yeah. from tabs online, I would say, I'm only going to do these, this like two inches of tab. If I can get through this two inches, and I, and I would, n- would never try and play past that. It's the mm. same concept I was talking about painting the car. Just like yeah, if you just yeah. put a little window on one section and just try and get that. Because when you look at all of it and you just know you don't have the skill set to go that far. And I think there's a, a switchover point even from that. So, like, I've switched into discipline mode for it, <laughs> kind of. And then as it that starts to pay off, and I'm sure as you were doing the tab, as you started to be able to play more and more of the song, then you get motivated. I'm, like, yeah. 90% in here. Like, I can kind of keep up with this thing. Nice. And so I'm definitely – I'm not there yet. I'm still on page one. But I'm looking forward to the point where I'm on page four, and I've gotten past all the key changes, and, like, I can – kind of get through it that's when i'll be motivated to really dial it in and finish it and be able to play the whole thing right. um so that's i deal with that a lot with music but this piece especially more than anything else bob i'm looking forward to a drone shot of you at a big white piano in the field behind your house with deer running around <laughs> in the intro to some like star wars theme on the piano <laughs> sure and then uh, r2d2 like zooming by Chasing a scarf or something. Yeah. Okay. You set that up and uh, you get the piano out in the field and I'll, I'll be there. Well, any other thoughts on, on this? Uh, no, no. Specifically on the, the, the R2D2 part. That's what right, I'm talking right, right, right. Yeah, Let's yeah. brainstorm that right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good, it's a good, it was a good topic. It got me thinking. I didn't, the second before I said it, I hadn't thought about it. And when I said it out loud, it turned into something good. So thanks, Jim. Yeah. That was good. Cool. Yeah. Well, um, let me thank our Patreon supporters then. And oh, shoot. Oh, yep, shoot. you got to find something to recommend. Oh, shoot. <laughs> the clock is ticking. Big thanks to everybody on Patreon uh, that helps us out. We are very grateful uh, for the support of the show. It, it really does mean a lot. It helps us um, you know, pay for the show to be done. It's not just the three of us sitting around talking. There's editing and hosting and all that type of stuff. Um, and we're grateful. So big thanks to our top supporters that go above and beyond over there. Uh, Corey Ward, Albers Woodworks, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, You Can Make This Too, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Rich at Lowen Designs, Odin Leathergoods, Scott Orem, Warren Works, Michael Manegin, and Gretchen Hofer, and the Web Ranch Woodworks. Uh, big thanks to them. They, they definitely go, go harder, go more than, ev- than everybody else, and it means a lot. So, But there's a bunch of other people that support us, and we are grateful for all of them. And they all get the after show, like which is a separate little feed of us talking more after this show. We're going to go do after this show in just a minute. But if you want to support us, if you want to join that crew, go to patreon.com slash making it and help us out. We'd appreciate it very much. Did you find something to recommend? I did. Man, so I, those whole, I'm in my shop because they're still working on our house. It is, it's in the teens, so it's freezing. But I came mm. out here an hour early to turn on you know the the mini split <clears throat> and this like radiator heater and i'm like it's just not getting warm in here and i get up to go look and somehow the radiator here turned off or, oh, no. or and, and so this whole time i've been freezing for no reason um at least you can rhyme yeah <laughs> freezing for no reason <laughs> so speaking of rhyming my pick is a music one uh, a, a couple weeks ago I've been using Logic Pro to record all my music 
for many years now. And I know that I've, I've kind of become stuck in my ways and I've, there's just things that I just never learned or I've, I just do wrong. And I decided I need to take a course on Logic Pro just to make sure I am working in the most efficient way because I have some ideas that I want to execute and there's these, these little roadblocks. And so I was looking for courses and then I'm like, ah, this, I, I, I would find something like, this is, it's a couple years old. It's probably outdated, you know, and then I, I'll just read the manual. I'm going to read the manual from beginning to end. Wow. And I started it and I'm like, this sucks. I, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I need a video. And then there's this guy on YouTube. He has a channel called music tech, music tech help guy. And uh, every couple of days he puts out a new tutorial and it's all in order. He's up to number 30 and it is the most comprehensive, most well done Logic Pro tutorial out there, paid or unpaid. It is so good. And every day I'm just waiting for the next video to come out. So it is Music Tech Help Guy, which it's only for Logic Pro on Apple and only for musicians. So only one person out there is going to watch this. I'll but watch it's, it. It's that it's it's that good. Awesome, that's cool. Uh, yeah, yep. I need to use Logic very soon, so that's a mm. good thing to have. What you got, Jimmy? I'm just gonna repeat. Let there be drums. I just texted you guys the picture from the airplane mm. seat. It's a uh, great, great, very, very little, little bits of emotional tear jerkers in there a couple times because they talked about they delved into John Bonham and uh, Jason Bonham talked about. You know, moments that he could remember with his dad the last time he saw him. And uh, also Ginger Baker and Ginger Baker's son. It's crazy. You know, those two two of the world's greatest drummers and their sons now do what they did. And, you know, the difficulty of, you know, stepping into their father's limelight. It's pretty amazing. So, just check that out. It's really good. If you're, that, if you're a musician. Is that on Netflix? I don't know. I found it on the airplane, so I don't know where it is. Okay. Yeah, it was on the airplane, but yeah, it's from 22. Um, so mine is, I really have not watched much of anything lately, uh, but I always watch Alex Steele's videos. Mm. And so he recently was making this, um, what's it called? A Qatar? That's not what it's called. Well, now I can't find the video. <laughs> Dang it. He was making this knife. Yeah, Qatar. Yeah. Um, so he was making this, this Indian dagger thing and... Spent all this time making it, and I think he was on part 10 or something, and he warped the blade. And oftentimes when he is on a series like that, you know, he'll take a while between the videos to figure out how to solve it or whatever. So this video comes up, and it's on his channel. It looks like one of his videos, and it's his editor in the thumbnail dressed up like him. I heard about this. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> it is funny. so funny. So they just made – Jamie, his editor, made a parody video about taking this failed knife and trying to fix it. Like, I should air quote fix it. He destroys this knife, but he does it acting like Alec with, like, a wig and glasses on. And (laughs) he goes all the way. Like, he does an entire build video in character. He even does the ad for Squarespace or something, like, in character. It is hilarious. Like, the very very frontal facing camera, the way Alec does it. It's so funny. It's so good. And... 
it I mean honestly I don't know what their relationship is like but they have to have a lot of trust between the two of them because I would not be comfortable with somebody making fun of me <laughs> on my channel <laughs> but that's what he's doing but I mean I know that they're good friends and you know it was all in good fun but man that was what I was thinking about the whole time but it is very very funny to watch especially if you if you like Alex videos you know it it, it hits on all of the little things that make one an Alex deal video yeah it's very good so I would go check that out Right, cool. Well, anything else? Uh, oh. In the after show, we t- we should talk about all the bright, warm colors the three of us are wearing for the first time ever, all at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I'm wearing like a mustard yellow Carhartt long sleeve shirt, and we, we we're basically all dressed in Dave's color scheme. Yeah. <laughs> is this is this a is this a Paul Jackman video or? <laughs> Dave Petruto video? What are we looking at here? Yeah, we I got my Paul dis- Jackman calendar in the mail a few weeks yeah. ago. It yeah. is so good. It's yeah, so good. it's so funny. It's, he gets me. He sends me one now on the arm because we're TV show mates, and it's always it's always a treat to look through that. Cool. All right, well, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank and, you. Uh, Thank you. We'll see you next time. Bye. Love you.